Thank you, brother. Yeah. The only, the only reason that my Friday speaking doesn't happen every Friday is because I'm in school. And as I told you, so my Fridays get, get messed up a little bit with having to go to college. Hey, Roy, would you come up here real quick? This guy, I always call him. I call Roy. I call Roy the president. Let me see your shirt. Look at that. We're like... I dress like you today, buddy, but I missed the tie. But that's a great-looking shirt. I just wanted to see, have the whole school see how hip, hip I was by wearing your shirt today. So go sit down. Go sit down. Mr. President. All righty. Uh, we have uh, teams going out this summer uh, with our commission teams, and there's several of you here uh, that are part of our summer teams. I'm actually taking a trip myself for the 28th of May um, with a very tiny group of people. Um, I think there's seven of us going around the country. I'm going to be going to Nepal for about 11, 12 days. Uh, that trip just kind of opened up. I've been going for seven years. Um, so I'm going on my own little commission trip this summer. But our commission teams that are going out, I need everybody to stand up, if you will. If you are headed on a team, lead a team, you're going out this summer. Alex, where are you at, Alex Grant? Are you in the building? Come up here real fast. Uh, everybody stand that's on a team. Can you just quickly tell from memory where all the teams are going real fast? Yeah, so we have uh, five teams total this year. Two have already left and now have come back, but we have three still going out this summer. We have Romania. We have Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have Uganda. Um, so there's, there's several teams happening outside of commission as well, but those are the three specifically going out of commission. Okay, awesome. I need, stay standing up. I, I need people that are around them to stand around them, put a hand on their shoulder, and we're just going to pray over them. Alex, I want you to pray real quick that Jesus is just going to bless and strengthen our teams, protect them, keep them, make sure everybody's got somebody that, that's praying for them real fast. All right, and I want you to pray out loud for all of our teams to be safe, to be healthy, to be blessed, to be used by God. Let's go for it. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be your hands and your feet. Jesus, that you've given us um, the power and the authority to go into all the earth, oh Lord, to make disciples, to see uh, people healed and to see people saved. And Lord, we just want to go and we want to serve. Lord, we want to bring hope and the salvation of the world. So Lord, I pray your covering over every single person that's leaving, whether they're from co-mission, whether they're from the, the ICS department or church of leadership. We pray for those that are going off in internships this summer. We pray... And we thank you, Lord, that North Central does not just remain here in this building, but we go out, Lord, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, Lord, and in the nations. So, Lord, we do pray for the nations, Lord, that they are yours. And, Lord, we pray for the specific nations that we're going to, Lord, that you would open up doors, that you would bring favor. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help the teams just become a family, that they would become a unit. Lord, that you would protect them, keep them safe. Um, and, Lord, that you would just be with us. It's all yours, Jesus. To, to God be the glory, Father. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Big time, big time. All righty. A couple other things before we get into our, our teaching time uh, this morning. I have an incredible friend that's here today that I'm going to have him just stand up. Um, I preached in this man's church about three weeks ago in Iowa, outside Des Moines, Iowa. It was phenomenal. It's called Eternity Church. And uh, come on right there. That's right. Uh, Pastor Jesse Newman and uh, one of his uh, teammates and assistants is here, uh, Sean Pulley or Cully? Cully, Sean Cully. 
But Pastor Jesse, uh, would you stand up real quick? I just want them to see and let them kind of see who you are for this reason. Yeah, very cool. Clap for the man. Um, so Sean, stand up too, because they, they need to know both of you. So they're on campus today, this morning. Um, they are on a search mission. Want to talk to juniors and seniors. Uh, I was just in this church. I would work there in one second. They're looking for children's leadership, children's pastors, youth, campus, just future leadership. Um, and if you are here today and you have a calling, a passion uh, for uh, ministry, um, when we're done here, they're going to be out in that lobby right there, large and in charge, just kind of standing out there. Doesn't take rocket science. I just want you to go introduce yourself to them and let them meet you and say, hey, I'm a senior this year. I'm a junior this year. Uh, I have a passion for that. I'm telling you, I was at their church. This is a great opportunity. And so if you're here in ministry, they're on campus today and they're just praying, Lord, lead us to some people, potentially for some staff, some roles, some campuses, children's youth, all of it. Um, go find them. Uh, you'll, be, you'll thank me years from now if it all works out. So anyway, thank you guys. Let's welcome these pastors for being on campus. So last night, last night I had a chance to be at Northwestern University for the, um, it was kind of a conference, undergraduate theology conference. And it was 16 finalists from Crown, Northwestern, Bethel, and North Central. 16 uh, Bible scholars, young scholars in theology and Bible were selected to present. And we had four of our students. Uh, one has already graduated. They drove back. I think they've left this morning. But I would like, Austin, are you in the building here? Austin Carlson, where are you at, Austin? Okay, stand, stand your feet over there, bro. Uh, where's Andrew? Andrew Greaves, are you here today, Andrew? Where's Andrew? Oh, <laughs> and where is Aaron right in here? Am I pronouncing Aaron's last name right? Aaron, are you here? Aaron, 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 Aaron. And is Kaylee? She left. Where's Aaron at? Are you in the building? Okay, just the, wow, rarely do, rare, no, rarely do the two dudes show up. Uh, um, so on behalf of a dude, I want to say thanks to the dudes for showing up today. Uh, that was good. Now, Andrew, Andrew presented yesterday on hell motivated by love. He gave a, a theological research presentation on hell motivated by love. It's a very fascinating uh, thing. And then Austin did a comparative theology in the Abrahamic faith concerning the doctrine of creation. And uh, they were selected, presented, very proud of it. I think I got a picture. Do I have a photograph up there? Maybe not, maybe not. There it is. Uh, that's with our team, uh, with all of our leaders and, and professors, as well as the students. I just want to say mega proud of you for uh, being selected to present in our city. Great job. You guys, you can be seated. And um, I think that, 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 and now this. Um, this isn't in the notes, but before we get to the Daniel passage, go to, go to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, Matthew 16, Matthew chapter 16 for just a minute. Okay, I, now I need your, your big time attention on something. I, I just said, Lord, help me explain this right. Um, I love to tell stories. I love to connect things. And I need God to help me connect what's about to happen next week at this university. 
First of all, next week is a huge week here in chapel. We've got some great speakers. We have Render on Monday, and we got, I think, uh, um, Vicki Graham is going to be a part of that. On Tuesday, though, we have somebody special. I'm going to tell you about it right now. I'm going to tell you the story. And then uh, Wednesday, I believe we have, is it Senior Chapel? Or, or it was, and, and, and so, got it. So Senior Chapel, and everybody else is in here. Thursday, one of America's greatest pastors is here next Thursday. Um, um, next Thursday, Herbert Cooper from um, Oklahoma City. You cannot miss next Tuesday or next Thursday. Don't miss chapel at all next week. But Thursday, Pastor Herbert Cooper is on campus. He pastors a massive church in Oklahoma City, multi-site church. He is a dynamic leader in this nation. Pastor Herbert Cooper, don't miss it. But Tuesday, I'm asking everybody to come Tuesday to chapel next Tuesday. 30 years ago, one of the greatest moves of God in America, in any campus in America, happened at North Central University about 1986 to 1989. There was a prolific move of God and in youth ministry. And there had to have been four to 500 students. We had 180 students from California that came to North Central because of what was happening here. Um, there was a youth movement uh, called Allies, or Youth Invasion, led by two men um, that were probably the most catalytic leaders in America at that time when it came to youth ministries. And the school was rocking like no, no other place in America, North Central, circa 1985 to 1989. It was out of control here. And something tragic happened. Both of those men had moral failures in the span of about a two-month period of time in 1989. It devastated this university. I heard about it in California. Um, they say it cost the university. I talked to the president at that time. President argued it probably cost the university $10 million because of the exodus of leaders that left because of the pain that was created back in 1989 here on this campus. Pastor uh, Doug Graham, those who remember and were around at that time know that I am not exaggerating this story. Those two men, separate situations, back to back, um, had moral failures. One of those men washed up on the shores out in California, turned his back on God for about three years, didn't want to be a Christian, didn't want to be in leadership, um, was just out there. He'd had a genuine salvation experience, saved off the streets, and God used this person, but he didn't have any Bible college training at that time, and he was promoted too fast because he was a, a phenomenal speaker. And was, had a thousand kids come into his youth group and he never went to Bible college just because he was that good, that gifted and that good. Well, the pressures of leadership uh, took him out because he didn't have the foundation in his life. And so the pain in his own life, the pain he created literally would drive some people to suicidal thoughts. And so he ended up in California. There was a pastor out there named Glenn Cole, uh, pastor of a great church 
took this man under his wing and for seven years put his heart back together for seven years. And he was uh, sat in the church, read his Bible, paid his tithe, worked as an usher, and met with the pastor for seven years. And wooed him back to sanity, to health, to hope. We became, I knew of him before the fall, and I couldn't stand him. I thought he was cocky, arrogant. I didn't like this guy. Little did I know he would become my best friend. And then when that happened, I kind of went like, that didn't surprise me, to be honest. <laughs> and then he ends up out in California, we cross paths, and and he says, can we have coffee? And I couldn't tell him no, but I was like guarded, like, you know that feeling you have with people? But his humility got through that. And I began to see a different human being. And so for the last 25 years, um, we've been very close friends. I've watched his life heal, emerge, become parents, grandparents, live a faithful, dynamic life for 25 years, restored to the Lord, and just travels all over the world for the first time in 30 years. He's going to stand in that pulpit Tuesday. He's scared to death. And he has been restored all the Assemblies of God folks, the National Office, the Illinois District, the Minnesota District. Last three years, he's gone through every humble step imaginable. Says, I want nothing. I just want you to know what Jesus has done in my life. And they have blessed him. And he's a fully restored, amazing preacher. But he has not been back to North Central in 30 years until this coming Tuesday. I believe the last time he spoke here in the city was at Cedar Valley Church. And three very prominent pastors in our area were kids in that youth group that sat in the middle. Their lives were devastated when they found out that this person they trusted had fallen. I believe those three dynamic pastors are gonna be sitting in these three seats and it's gonna be 30 years in the future now in the Lord this coming Tuesday of what Jesus has done and one of the greatest, not just symbolic, but spiritual moments in the history of this university of healing and reconciliation. He may just stand up here and cry for a half hour. But my friend, my friend Gary Zaleski is coming to speak Tuesday. And I want this place packed uh, for this moment because it's spiritually significant of what Jesus can do to restore and to heal and to reactivate people's lives. And so um, next week's a big week. So Tuesday Chapel, Gary Zaleski, that name means nothing to you. Most of you were never even, your parents weren't even born. I don't even know how long ago that is. But it's a long time ago. But um, he's coming. It's gonna be a great, 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 great day. So keep that on your radar for next week. Um, I just was in worship and felt the Holy Spirit want me to read a verse of scripture. So we're going to do two things. I'm going to read something from Matthew 16, then we're going to fly into to Daniel. I'm going to give you a phrase uh, from the book of Daniel that I want you to carry uh, big and large in, in your heart. Get, this, get the slide ready on the Daniel uh, 
slides about the zoo, Z-O-O, the great zoo. So we'll bring that slide up first in just a moment. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus uh, begins to ask uh, his disciples, gives them a little survey and says, who do people say that I am? Now, Jesus wasn't insecure. He wasn't looking for props. He didn't need people to applaud him for his own self-esteem. He wasn't trying to dig for a compliment. He asked his disciples, verse 13, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus was motivated by this idea. You've been walking with me for two and a half years. I want to see if walking close to me, he's about nine months from the crucifixion here. It's about nine months before he's about to die was in this conversation happened. So they've been together a little over two years. He simply wants to know if spending close time with me in close proximity, has it changed your understanding of me or do you still see me the way the average person on the street sees me? Being at North Central and walking close with Christ should change your understanding of who Jesus is. He simply can't be what pop culture says he is to you because you've been walking with him. So he, he says, hey, who do you, uh, what do people say that the son of man is? What, what are people saying on the streets about me, Jesus says? And they said, hey man, the list is pretty phenomenal. Some say John the Baptist, <coughs> others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's a pretty killer short list to be on the John the Baptist, <coughs> Elijah, Jeremiah, or prophet list. So word on the streets about Jesus was at an all-time high. But simply being in the hall of fame of these names would not save somebody to consider Jesus a great voice, a great leader of, of Jewish history. It's not enough. So then Jesus says, okay, if that's what they're saying out on the streets about me, who do you say that I am? Am I more to you than Elijah, Jeremiah, or John the Baptist? Is my life and the revelation of who I am to you bigger than that list? And of course, Peter then said the famous line, you are the Christ or the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You know the passage well. But my father who is in heaven, I also say uh, to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church of this confession, this revelation. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. So he's in a small group setting, but he really does single out Peter for this bold step of revelatory faith. He gets it right. If it was a game show, man, lights, bells, he got it right. He nailed it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What a payday for the right answer. I mean, he is getting it all. I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. Heaven and earth are going to, the conduit between the two is going to be you. You get to declare, you get to activate, you get to participate. Heaven has to respond to what you declare, Peter, if it's the will of the Father. And so I'm closing the gap between heaven and earth through your life. That's the power of, of this revelation. Now watch this. It says, from then on, he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. I mean, how do you keep that to yourself? 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer from the elders, the chief priests, scribes, be killed, and raised up on the third day. So nine months out, Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place and was broadcasting it to his inner team. So what's going to happen? It's going to go down. In Jerusalem, the religious people are going to kill me. I'll be dead for three days, and I'm going to rise from the dead. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Now, how ridiculous is that? He is God. Forbid yourself. Forbid yourself. He says, God forbid to God. Forbid yourself. I think it's funny. Where does he get the arrogance to take Jesus for a walk? They're in a small group. Jesus is teaching. I got to suffer, going to be killed, but I'll be raised up in three days. And Peter goes, hey, bro, come here. And he puts his arm around Jesus' neck and he takes Jesus for a walk, just the two of them. Come here, bro. Let's, let's walk and talk. Because I have keys. I've been promoted in front of my peers. And I just want to download some stuff to you, Jesus. Now watch this. Watch this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, that this shall ever happen to you. Peter was not concerned that this was going to happen to Jesus. Peter was concerned that this was going to happen to him. Because he's next in line. He would be the next CFO or the CEO, or he is the chief executive next to the president. So if they kill you, the next person in line to kill is me. Because you gave me keys and revelation. And so I'm going to masquerade. I'm going to twist my burden to make it sound like I care about other people when really my burden is self-preservation. So he says, God forbid it shall happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Funny story, true story. When PowerPoint was invented in the early 90s, PowerPoint, because we used to not have screens, anything up here. We had overhead projectors with some written courses. Little person sit up there, change them. So there's no PowerPoint. So we got PowerPoint. And I remember one of my first PowerPoints was this passage of scripture. And somehow the PowerPoint changed or it spell checked. In my entire message, I do this whole thing on Satan. It spell checked it and changed it to Stan. <laughs> True story. I'm in front of a thousand people going, you need to resist Stan. <laughs> yeah, get thee behind me, Stan. <laughs> True story. He said, if you're here today and your name is Stan <laughs> or Stanley. Now watch this real quick. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. How is telling Jesus you don't want him to die setting your sight on man's interest? In Matthew 23, Jesus uh, called the Pharisees 
sons of the devil. He called Peter the devil. He told the Pharisees that they were stumbling blocks to others. He tells Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. Nobody had been rebuked like this on the planet. And you talk about going like from this to that. You're Peter, and upon this confession, I'm going to build my church. I'm giving you keys, man. You're going to be the conduit between heaven and earth, and it's going to be powerful. You have destiny. Oh, no, you are Satan, and you're making me stumble. You talk about an identity crisis, like, who are you? What am I? I am Satan making Jesus stumble? Now watch this. We all have to pay the price for one another's destiny. Now watch this. Peter knew that if they killed Jesus, they would kill him next. He got an A on the oral exam, thou art the Christ. But he got an F in lab. Okay. He failed internship, got an A on the written test. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Once it was tested, it failed miserably. Because Peter knew that if they killed Jesus, they would kill him. This is why Jesus reacted so vehemently to Peter. He's saying, you want me, Peter, to sacrifice my destiny for your preservation. You want me to sacrifice my purpose so that you don't have to pay a price. Because Jesus understands we must all pay the price for one another, not just ourselves. So sometimes we want to keep people from reaching their purpose. The greatest act of satanic DNA that we can operate in is to keep somebody from their purpose. No, I don't want you to go there. You've already stated that this is your plan. I don't want you to go there, Jesus, because I don't want them to come looking for me. So I, I want you to miss your purpose so I don't have to pay any price. All I want to say to us before we read this verse out of Daniel is that for the rest of our lives, friends, we don't live independent. We talk about the pursuit of destiny, but there is this subtlety of this individualism, this disconnected the lack of community or interconnectedness. We're not just a community, we are a body. And there's, there's a difference between just a community, which is an aspect or a trait or a characteristic of the body, which is connected one to another. I can't keep you from your purpose because I don't want to pay a price for your success and what God has called you to do. I've got to pay a price for you. And if I'm unwilling to pay that price for you, I have to keep you from becoming what God has called you to be to preserve myself. Jesus saw right through it. That's why he rebuked him at this level. Now here's a second sermon in three minutes. Daniel, you got to get this verse. I can't end the year without giving you this verse. So go up here. Go, go, go to the, the great zoo. So in Daniel chapter 7, there is a description of this zoo. And this is going to go very, very fast. Daniel sees a vision 
of the lion, the bear, the leopard, and what's called the nondescript beast. This is the second time the pattern's been given. The first time it was given earlier in the book of Daniel, it came in the form of a statue that had a head of gold, a breastplated arms of bronze, a, a belly and thighs of silver, legs of iron, and then feet of iron and clay. I don't have time to break down, but it's the same pattern given with these animals that it's the Babylonian empire led by King Nebuchadnezzar. It was, then it would be the great Medo-Persian empire, then the great empire of Alexander the Great with the nation of Greece, and then the Roman empire at the time of Jesus' death. And then, and then there is this break prophetically between the legs and the feet, which we're living in. We're living right here in the statue. We live right here at the ankles. Right now in this, we live between the leopard and the nondescript beast. We are living between the old Roman Empire and what would be called the reconstructed old Roman Empire into this end times governmental entity that is socially and governmentally and economically comprised to war against the very calling that's on your life. So we're living in that space right now. I don't have time to break all of that down, but God gives Daniel a vision of this zoo. And sometimes when you look up, all you can do is see the zoo and all you can describe is what Satan is doing. But in chapter 7, verse 9 of Daniel, this phrase is repeated over and over again. It says, I kept looking. I saw the lion, the bear, the leopard, and a beast so gross, I don't even have a name for it. I would say that's where most of society is. They have a detailed description of what the devil has done, is doing, and is about to do. They can describe it beautifully. And the Bible says, Daniel goes, I kept looking. The problem with your faith and my faith is, is that we stop looking. The devil is so vivid. He's so descriptive. It's so there in front of our face. But Daniel says, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. He, he, he kept looking, friends, until he heard the sound. He goes, I kept looking, verse 11, because of the sound of the boastful words, which tried to reemerge, which was the horn speaking, but I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to a burning fire. I kept looking, verse 13, in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. That phrase has been paramount in my Christian faith. I kept looking because there's times in life when all I can see and describe is what Satan is doing. And I have to stop describing Satan, and I have to start describing my Savior. And there's the big divide between faith and leadership that I see is people are so consumed in the negative. They describe the lion and the bear and the leopard and they describe the ugly uh, statue and all the traits and characteristics of this broken society. And they stop looking. And they think they're educated spiritually because they're relevant and understand the pain of culture. But if you stop... With this culture as your definition of the future, you are toast. You have to keep looking. Like Daniel kept looking and suddenly something else started to emerge in the middle of the zoo. And it was this beauty. And the, the text goes on and on with these radiant colors. And suddenly he stops describing Satan 
And he is consumed in his description of the Savior. What the, what the enemy wants to do for you right now is to educate you on every trait, every ugly trait of the spirit of the Antichrist, the social chaos of this society, and you're becoming highly educated. And you can define it and describe it, but that's all you can do because you've stopped looking. You gotta keep looking until I see one like the Son of Man rising and defeating the sound of the boastful words of the spirit of Antichrist in these days. I beg you, you have to keep looking. Your faith has to stay strong because the devil will always present himself first to get you hopeless, get you bitter distracted and angry. But God is looking for a generation that will keep looking. I kept looking. And I kept looking, man. And something bigger than the leopard and the bear and the lion and some beast that was so crazy, gross, ugly, I can't even give it a name. It's a nondescript beast. Says, I, don't even, I can't even name this. It's so ugly. Isn't that where we are as a society? We're trying to explain all the social chaos of this world and we don't even have words to describe it. It's like the nondescript beast, but we stop there. And I see Christian students and I see Christian parents and leaders and educators highly educated describing the world that Satan is directing because they've stopped looking and they can't spot the kingdom. They can't spot the rise of God, his work and his hand in the midst of this zoo and this ugliness. I pray you will keep looking and that your education will be based on a revelation of who Jesus is and how great his kingdom is. The Bible says it rises like a mountain and all of a sudden the kingdoms of the earth are like that statue this great stone appeared and hit the statue from head to toe in Babylon and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Romans and the Antichrist is all in one space at a time when only the head existed. Daniel was living at the time of Nebuchadnezzar and he saw the future all the way to the Antichrist, one big ugly army and it says a stone came, hit it. And the whole statue went into a pile of dust you take every evil leader that's ever lived on this planet, put him in one army under in one leader, the victory of Jesus Christ, the single strike of the stone on Calvary, if you had every ounce of evil standing in one place at one time, it hits it like a stone. Read it in Daniel. The whole statue turns to dust, and it says a great wind came and blew it all away. So I'm telling you, you gotta keep looking. Let's stand together, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up, let's lift up our hands before we go into fasting and prayer. I know some of you have got to get places, but today's gonna be a special time of fasting and prayer. Also, please don't miss your moment. Pastor Jesse and Pastor Sean are gonna hang out here for prayer. They'll be in the lobby. They're gonna be hanging out for a while. I really want you to connect with them for them to meet you so that can happen let's lift our hands to Jesus Lord we commit our life God that we're going to keep looking 
as ugly as this world is, as poisoned as the well has become in our social structures, Jesus. Understanding that ugliness, defining it, organizing it, categorizing it is not the answer, Lord. It only is the backdrop that makes your greatness and the rise of one like the Son of Man whose word defeats the boastful word of the spirit of Antichrist, telling us that we are living in a feudal age. We are not, God. We are living on the precipice of visitation, awakening, and revival. God, help us to keep looking, Lord. <coughs> keep looking through every problem, every cancer, every divorce, every accident. Help us to keep looking. We look up, Jesus. We're waiting, God. You're rising. Your authority, your majesty, your power is greater, God, than anything the enemy has ever presented to this earth, God. We worship you. We praise you. We honor you, God. We give you glory, Lord. And we keep looking, Jesus. We keep looking, Jesus. Help us as a school. Help us as men and women of God. Help all of us, Lord, to keep looking in Jesus, Jesus' name. We're going to transition to prayer and worship. If you can stick for a few minutes, please do. If you got to go, you are blessed and free. Next week on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, all the days, but don't miss next Tuesday. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We love you guys. Make sure you connect with Pastor Jesse Newman.